Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic to help us have better conversations with ourselves and with other people. I'm your host, Sarah Noel Wilson, and as always, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm always excited, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Rachel Sheeran. So a little bit about my dear colleague, friend, and general amazing woman, Rachel. She is an award-winning keynote speaker and MC who's been described as the Brene Brown of burnout, who energizes and engages audiences with her signature blend of humor and authenticity. Named the Speaker of the Year by NACE, Rachel shares her insights as a professional behavioral analyst to help attendees achieve success they love. I just want to say that again. I love that. To achieve success they love. With her viral TEDx talk entitled How to Burn Out and Be Successful, Rachel served audiences, has served audiences from Spain to Seattle to 160 plus Zoom rooms to, well, I was going to say in two, but, and she takes her margaritas on rocks. This is something that, you know, I I adore about her. Um, She has a book coming out in 2022 and her continued research and motivational content around burnout, happiness, and success can be heard on her weekly podcast and newsletter. Rachel Sheeran, welcome, my my love. Sarah, for anyone that is listening to this in the car, I am prices writing right now. Just (laughs) high-fiving everyone down. It's an honor to be here, Sarah. Long-time listener, first-time guest. Finally. I'm so so excited. I was trying to remember how long it had been. I know we just came up on our anniversary recently, um, but I think it's been five years. Was it 2017? Yeah, when we first made contact, when yeah. when we saw each other on the internet in mm-hmm. a Facebook group and thought, oh my God, are you, are you for real? And like, then you looked at me and goes, yeah, we, we totally connected. And it mm-hmm. wasn't even so much the words we said, it was a lot of times the visual cues mm. or just the energy, maybe even the punctuation. I think, I and mean, one of the we things- We took a chance. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and one of the things I will say is that one of the things that drew me to you was that we were part of a group for speakers and you always just came from such a place of abundance in a space when sometimes people can feel very protected and, you know, and, 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 and holding close their information. You know, I just remember that first conversation we had and, and feeling like I had found somebody who could walk on this journey with me. And, and we've just, been so fortunate to have each other's back and to grow and, and I'm, and I'm so, I'm really excited and, and excited might not even, I think it's going to be really important what we're going to talk about. Um, We know that the last couple of years have been really hard. Um, We don't need to go into that. We all know we lived it. You know, this idea of burnout is something that I feel like is a word that is, talked about a lot. And sometimes it's hard to understand what it looks like. And so today we're just going to really explore because you've been thinking about and focusing on burnout for a long time, actually quite a bit longer than just the last couple of years. But before we get into that, Rachel, what else would you like people to know about you? Well, you covered the important stuff. Margarita's on the rocks. Check. Friends with you. Check. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I guess to me, one of the things you should know about me is that I don't think the answer to healing burnout is to take a spa day mm. or even to take a vacation, even though I, I, I think if you're into spas, you should do it and make a regular calendar invite for yourself. And if you aren't taking vacation days, you should do that too. Mm. But 
I think that I really come from a place where I love success. I love people that are in love with the work that they do and the people that they serve and the people that they they get to work alongside. They don't have to. They get to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably a large part of my ethos. You know, I'm, I'm a very naturally positive person. That's, of course, experience the ups and downs of life. But the conversation, I'm so excited, I think, to see where this goes today, Sarah. And you're, you, you, I feel like, are such a leader in curious conversations and open and vulnerable and a lot of humility and, and, uh, and just a lot of honesty. I think one of the things folks should know is that this isn't going to be Hashtag self-care. You know, Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. somebody who really wants to help people who believe in their impact, Mm, who who mm. enjoy their work, really get back to that, that loving feeling. Mm. It's not about if you're going to be successful. That's the thing. The thing with me, you are successful. Mm. Everyone listening and tuning into this podcast is successful, right? Mm. There's a lot of people that don't seek out knowledge or, or, or just not feeling it right now or just... Listen, sometimes brushing the teeth is the win. Right. But right. you are successful. It's will you want the success that you get? Mm. That's what I'm really here and excited and, and is at my core to really serve. Yeah. Because you are gonna you're gonna get the success. It's just do you want it? Yeah. Yeah. And also and also defining that. I mean, I think that's what I that's why I paused on your um, bio because it's the success you love. And I think sometimes we hear the word success and in our culture, it's very much like title driven or money driven or, you know, but it's, it's that what's the impact you want? How do you want to feel when you show up? How do you want to feel with the people you're working? What's the, um, yeah, what's that ripple effect and, and how, you know, I mean, work is a part of our world. It's a part of our, for many of us, it's a part of our lives. And so how can we hopefully create conditions um, where we can feel really good about it because how we feel about work and at work directly impacts how we feel about ourselves and at home and and it has this huge impact. So so Rachel, let's let's start with even just, you know, as you think about the work that you've been doing and, and your own journey, because and I know I'm sure you'll get into this or I hope you will, because this isn't just a topic that is intellectually interesting. It's a very personal topic for you. And so I wonder if we can start there is, you know, what, what was your journey to and through burnout to have this be such an an impassioned, like you're so passionate about helping people think about it differently. So talk to us about where, where did you start to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm passionate about burnout because to be honest, it hit me like a freight train And it robbed me of almost everything I love, Mm. including my identity. Mm. You know, it's very American to identify ourselves with work. Mm. You know, you go to Europe, you go to South America. They're more laissez-faire. They're more, you know, when you you go to a party and you meet new people, they're not talking about what they get paid to do. Mm. They're talking Mm -hmm. about what they enjoy, right? Mm. And I think that's why, you know, the the margarita comment in my bio always gets a chuckle. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. You you know a lot about me because I enjoy margaritas, right? I've got that beachy vibe. I've got, you know, I'll meet you on a beach anywhere. Yeah. But I also <laughs> believe in that seizing the joy and and whether, you know, you're you're sober or, or whether you'd like some tequila in your marg, I'll meet you anywhere because that's the energy I've got. But to talk about burnout is because I am a survivor. And Mm. I thought I could outrun all of the feelings. When I was Mm. uh, an executive and sales leader, I thought that I could just outwork it. I thought I could outrun it. I think I could out deny it. How about I could 
be so happy and successful that I would eventually not feel Mm. burned out. And burned out when I when I was experiencing, I'm not going to lie, it was the biggest nastiest secret I think of the the corporate world. And I I think it's it still is. We talk about burnout a lot, but we're still not seeing the upper echelons of leadership really talk as much about it. And to me, it was shocked when I when I did burnout, when I threw away my career, my title, my six-figure income, my award-winning uh, you know, accolades, my team, which by the way, I had swapped in for friends because, you know, all my friends, I had totally bailed on them to be a great professional, mm, quote mm, unquote. Mm. Um I lost everything in the mix. And what's wild is the more, first of all, I started to work through my own personal, you know, identity and and addiction to work and things like that. What I started to realize was I'm not the outlier. Mm. I was just the only one willing to talk about it. Mm. And, you know, I'm the first one to admit I was raised Catholic. I was raised in the Northeast. And, you know, we didn't talk about the tough stuff in my family. Just culturally, you know, I I think for a lot of us, money is private. Sex is Mm -hmm. private. Um, Mm -hmm. Emotions, I think, honestly, other than good joy, right? Joy or happy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And, you know, at a minimum, even if it wasn't private, right, that you should keep it to yourself, we at least kept it in the family. It was hidden till it was an appropriate time to talk about it. And being good was valued over being honest. Mm. And mm. I don't want to paint it like my childhood was bad. It's not n- not at all. It was just a generational lesson that my parents had adhered to and their parents had adhered to. And, you know, it's funny. I remember certain things from my childhood that now paint a larger picture of how I feel now and, and who I am. And my father used to say, you know, hey, happy is so much better, don't you think? Mm. And and he did it in ways when I would maybe be sad or disappointed or things like that. And it wasn't so much a, a question as it was just a reminder to adjust. Mm. And he's right. You know, I do like being happy. I just wish I would have known sooner how to hold a lot more complexity, mm. a, hold a lot more different emotions other than happy and sad and good and bad and smart and dumb and winner and loser and thin and fat. And how about burned out and passionate mm-hmm. or driven and struggling. And to me, burnout is it's simple and complicated, just like life is yeah. simple and complicated, right? Yeah, it's God, there's so much to unpack in what you you just said. And there's a couple of places I want to go back to I mean, one, just that, that that honoring the complexity. And I, and I appreciated how you're like, yeah, you can be burnt out and passionate. And you can still want and not have the the I, I thought I could outrun it. I thought I could outwork it. I thought I could deny it. I thought I could just stay busy. And, you know, in, in especially in, in Western and American culture, there's such a high value, like you said, to put on work, but also this idea of hustle. And, and I know for me that, uh, you know, I think about my own experience and, you know, I, I often will joke that you know, some people burn the candle at both ends. But, you know, for most of my adult life, it was, no, I had a blowtorch in one hand. I had it rotating on a spigot, you know, rotating it with my foot. I don't know, with the other <laughs> and, and, yes. and, 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 and a flame, you know, whatever, a flamethrower. And, and, and part of that was recognizing that there was an addiction to being busy. You know, when people would say things like, Sarah, I don't know how you do it. I don't either. And there was a, you know, kind of like an ego stroke and realizing that, boy, that is really unhealthy. Um, And so I appreciate- And unsustainable. um, 100%. There's a real cost 
not just you physically, I mean, there's a huge cost to you physically, but emotionally. And you, you said this when you were first talking about when you experience burnout for that first time of losing your identity, you know, not just from a work perspective, but I know when I think about my experience, I lost my mojo. I lost my sense of confidence. I lost, I, I was doubting myself. And so not only not only was I tired, not only was I uh, my relationship struggling, but I comp- and and I I had no idea how bad it had gotten for me until I got out of it. And and so I'm yeah, I'm just curious, you know, from from your experience, you know, what are what are some of the things you see uh, you know, as you're talking to people, as you're working with people, that's that cost of that, that cost of busyness. And, you know, right, because we don't have the culture. It, it's like, you're weak, if you say I want to rest, you know, and yeah. like, rest, rest doesn't need to be to be more productive. Rest can just be freaking rest. Yeah. How about the fact that rest isn't something that you earn? Yeah, right. I, and by the way, we we teach what we need to learn. That's mm. my current lesson in my season of life mm. is rest isn't a reward, mm. right? It's not something to be earned. To your point, you know, Sarah, you talking about, you know, losing that sense of self and, and having like the physical aspects of it. I think those are some of the things about burnout that maybe the identity portion is so vital right now. And I think that's, that's again, w- when we started this conversation, I said, hey, listen, I, I just want to say to the folks out there who love their work, who identify with the work, I'm not here to change it, Mm-mm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think that there's magic in people who are obsessed with their work. There's mm-hmm. there's incredible leaders who will change the world in the, in the teams or organizations or businesses that they build because they are so into it. They get people on board with it. You know, I, all, all great movements have to start with passion. And your mm. movement may be in an organization. It may be as an entrepreneur. It may be as the leader in your family, right? And that's, you know, a big secret about burnout. It, there's paid work and there's unpaid work. Mm. Mm. And the past couple years, I want to say out loud, I don't think that burnout has necessarily changed as much. But I think that rarely have we all gone through something that has required life to be so much work yeah, all at the same time. A grocery store is work. Traveling, you know, I was thinking about this the other day when 9-11 happened and the, the TSA was brought in, right? To scan you and search you and all this kind of stuff before we boarded airplanes. I remember the pushback for mm-hmm. years on that. People still complain about TSA. And I just want to say out loud that, yeah, travel used to be a little bit more fun. But you know what? Travel is definitely more fun when it's done safely, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So mm-hmm. I, the trade-off is fine for me. And yes, thank you, clear and pre-check. So when we're, we're talking about, you know, like, what do, what do I see? Or maybe the way burnout starts to impact people. I think it does start, you know, a lot of times it's it's the deeper questions. It's the identity questions. It affects you physically. Mm-hmm. You know, gone, by the way, are the days of like powering through the cold or the flu in mm. the office. Yeah, stay thank, home. I, I hope we're going to keep that. Yeah, yeah. I hope we're going to keep mm-hmm. staying home and airing on the side of caution. You don't need a gold star for showed up and infected everybody else. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think about 
about the, it shows up where you're working harder, but you're working less efficiently. Mm. You're, you're sleeping more, but it's not as rejuvenating. I mean, mm. it can go physical. It can go mental. It can be in your closest relationships or even strangers. You can be transactionless, emotionless, or, or vice versa, go completely emotional with it mm-hmm. and, and unhinged, which, you know, by the way, is my style. Mm-hmm. I, when I start to lose <laughs> it, when I start to hear narratives of things in my head that are just completely un, unreal, uh, I know that maybe, hey, I'm, I'm stepping to the embers of burnout. Mm. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is we just have to all acknowledge here that work will never love us mm. the way that we love work. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I mourn that. Mm. I, I just want to say out loud, that sucks because I love I love to work. I love I love success. I love community. I love teams. I love making an impact. And I and I love work. But we are so much more than work. Work is just the medium in which we act and in which we share through and learn and grow and win and and create a, a, an impactful legacy. It's just one medium of it. Yeah. But it can't be and it shouldn't be the only impact and and one that we have. It's not the only identity in life. Yeah. I mean, once again, there's, there's so many different paths that we can take. And so I want to, I want to name that a couple of things that were coming up for me as you were talking is understanding that burnout can happen, whether it's paid work or unpaid work. So let's just shout out to largely women who are doing a huge amount of emotional labor and managing the homes, whether they're, they're in a, a work environment or working out of the home. And <clears throat> and that that I, I think there's some truth to what you're saying of from the standpoint of we have never collectively essentially experienced trauma and and we're still navigating it. I think that's one of the things that is that I'm starting to see for sure is this like because some things are starting, you know, more going back to normal, quote unquote, normal, right? Maybe some of our old habits are coming back. But realizing we're we are not the same people. And we we had a, a client, a former client of ours that we were talking with, and um, and she made this really powerful observation. She said, you know, the thing that concerns me right now is that we make this assumption that because somebody is productive, they're okay. Right? That that we know that, you know, I think everyone's aware that we went through and are still going yeah. through in a mentally and emotionally challenging time. Our, our brains were just not, we're not conditioned and we're not set up to experience that kind of extreme complexity, right? You know, grocery stores, mm-hmm. seeing people, every, everything was hard. And, and that there was something about that sort of simplicity of her statement of we assume that because people are productive, that they're, they're okay. And, and one of the things we definitely know is that we, uh, this is what I'm hearing. And so I'm curious to see what you're hearing from, you know, the people you work with is pretty consistently what we're hearing from people is it takes me way longer to recharge way longer to recharge, I deplete way faster. You know, when we talk about things related to potentially like PTSD or right, or burnout is um, irritability, fogginess, tiredness, and people are like, Oh, I didn't think I was burnt out. Because how much how much have we nor how much have we normalized burnout, and not even realizing that that's what we're experiencing? Yep. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, Sarah, I think the answer is honestly, it's not even possible to calculate it right now Mm -hmm. because only the further we get from where we are right now. And by the way, the more courageous organizations, cultures, leaders, individuals, families are able to talk about it. We'll know more. We'll know more soon. Mm. Uh, But Mm. from where I'm sitting right now, you know, I think it's helpful to know the way I define burnout. You can get a ton of different definitions, but burnout to me is when happiness leaves your work. Mm. And it's, it starts at work. And when happiness leaves your work, there is a, a greater risk of happiness leaving your life. Mm. Because I, I think a lot of times people think that, you know, in the way the World Health Organization defines burnout, burnout happens to just workers. Well, I don't think that's true. I, I think burnout can sometimes feel like, oh, my gosh, I can't hack it. Or I'm losing my oomph or, right, you're getting fatigued or, you know, things like that. Remember when we were scrappy and we were great with the scraps? And, you know, especially to veteran professionals, folks that have got, you know, a decade or so of work under their belt, emerging managers and leaders and and, and teams and things like that. One of the interesting shifts I think that I hear a lot from my clients is, you know, I I used to be, Mm. I used to be, I used Mm. to be. And a couple notes on that. I just want to say out loud. You used to be somebody different, and now Mm -hmm. we're all different. Mm -hmm. The only person really holding ourselves to the standard is ourselves. Mm. And burnout happens to what I call triple play high performers. And high performers are not necessarily defined. The only way I can describe it truly is it's triple play, which means that they're high performers in heart. Like these people give a lot. So if you're you're feeling burned out or you know someone that's burned out, it's because I think you care a little too much. And by the way, I like that. I mm-hmm. want to keep people who mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you know, the second part is I think they're high performing in their professional lives in their organization. They tend to be traditionally successful. And by the way, success can look like a ton of different metrics. It can be a loyal employee. It can be a, a high um, a high sales earning perf- uh, employee. It can be a beloved. How about the glue on your teams, mm-hmm. right? The folks mm-hmm. that just are, are legacy and they're so high value right now. Um, and I think they're high performing in their communities mm-hmm. and with their connections and their relationships. And I know that's, you know, one thing, Sarah, you and I really deeply connect on is we just the value of relationships Mm. and the value of community, whether it's our given communities or our chosen communities. And of course, the built community that that we surround ourselves with and that we get to, to serve. And when you think about yourself as a high performer, when you felt the winds of success, when you are great at work and are rewarded with even more work, mm, right? Yeah, right. Because that's what and, happens. <laughs> a thousand percent. And productivity is the measurement, right? right? You're like, well, everyone's unhappy. Everyone's struggling. That's just the norm. What we're looking for is productivity. I just want to say out loud that the opposite of high performing is not failure mm. or it's not a failure. It's, it's I think, what's an apathetic professional. That's the most dangerous person in, in America right now. In, in our teams and organizations is apathetic. And I want to say out loud, apathetic, it it means something similar to indifferent, but it's used in the context of action. Mm. When you're apathetic, you just, you just don't care or you don't act like you care. And that's very dangerous because I think that burnout happens to people who do deeply care. If, you, if you're just clocking in and out, like kudos, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that, because 
you care so deeply with with your heart, with your teams, organizations, because you're driven. I think that that's where we're seeing it, honestly, in, in very heart forward industries like healthcare and mm, education, yeah. uh, nonprofits, associations. I also see it with folks who are at the front lines of change yeah. and they're leading a, char- a charge forward in their organization or in culture, their families. And, and this might be answering your question, but I do think that it starts with leading from the front. If you're, if you are feeling burned out, if you're, if you're thinking, gosh, what is, what is going on here? You got to phone a friend, just mm-hmm. go ahead and freaking um, who wants to be a millionaire it, <laughs> and call a friend. Cause mm. I know that's what, if I could go back in time, that's the first thing I would have done. I would have identified somebody who would not judge me as a failure and instead see me as somebody who cared deeply about what I did and mm. wanted to keep doing it. Yeah. That's the truth. It's, you know, it's like, I, I appreciate you defining it. Cause I think sometimes people could hear high performer and think sort of like a single lens view of what, what that would look like. And, and the other thing, I mean, I want to push, I want to push a little on the, the apathy of it only because sometimes that can show up when people are burnt out or it can especially show up when people are dealing with depression. Right. And so like, mm-hmm. and so, so noticing and, and, you know, and I, I think that I, I, I do, I, I, I appreciate that language of like when, when happiness has, has lost work and, 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 and maybe happiness looks different and maybe for some people they go, well, I've never mm-hmm. really been happy at work, but you know, I think of it as like the sparkle in my eye, the light, right? Like even yeah. just the, like the connection, the, the connection, right. That connection of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, there's some jobs we do that aren't super, I don't know, maybe like motivating, but I like who I do it with and I, I like how we do it and all of that. But when we're, we're starting to just lose that light and lose that connection. And, you know, you earlier, you know, you were talking about things you noticed in yourself of like, or people might not, you know, notice like I'm, 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 I'm sleeping, but I'm not actually getting the sleep I need. I'm right. I'm, I'm maybe struggling with connections. I'm all of that. And, and I think that because it's, again, it's so hard when you're in it, Again, because I think we have such a normalized hustle culture that you don't, it, it's easy to be like, what's wrong with me that I, mm-hmm. that I can't, or what's wrong with me that I don't want to, right? And, and so how do we start to tune in more to our needs? And, you know, like you said for yourself, really working on rest isn't a reward, right? It's just, it's, yeah. it's something we all deserve. It's, and it's not necessarily for productivity. And so, so how can we start listening to noticing those sig- those signals, those little like moments. I know for me, I can tell that I'm starting to hit a stress level that's not manageable. We call it my therapist and I would call it like the ribbons are starting to pop out, right? Like of a box, like, and my colleague, Teresa, you know, made the observation, which is great when you have people who are willing to say, hey, some of your cues that you might not be aware of. She said, when you start to get when you start to hit a tipping point in your stress level, you start to feel like everything is disorganized. So hmm. when I hear you say like, oh, we got to get this organized or this kind of feels all over the place, said it's usually because I think you are feeling that way. And so so that, you know, I'm thinking about that, too, from the standpoint of just how do we start to listen to those cues? Yeah. Um, so we can catch it sooner. Yeah, and it's. I appreciate you. Before we move on, I appreciate you pushing back on the apathy mm. because I do want to honor that. You know, a lot of times with different mental, um, you know, situations, I feel like, and in, in, in general, 
What I want to clarify is I think it's uncharacteristic apathy that sure. we should definitely pay attention sure. to there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. It, it is stepping outside of that norm because we all have that self mirror and that reflection of the identity of who we are. Mm. So Sarah, as, as you're saying, you know, like, ah, you know, like what's wrong with me? Mm. That's such a vulnerable and real narrative. That's so simple. And I, I would say that listening now, it's like, well, that's, we're asking the wrong questions. Mm. Can we offer curiosity to ourselves? And mm. by the way, model it to others, because mm -hmm. I know you love curiosity. Mm -hmm. Some of the questions I might ask are mm. simply what's changed? Mm. Being open-minded about it. Is it relationships? Is it situations and circumstances? Is it, um, you know, is pessimism or optimism? Is it values? A lot of us have had a major value shift. Mm. Um, you know, it, it can honestly be influences as well. And how about Maybe it's you that's changed. Mm -hmm. Can we just can we just love on the fact that the whole point of life is to change, right? To grow, to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, why do we 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 love change when we're in an interview and we say, "How do you deal with change?" And the in the perfect candidates, like, "Oh, I love change. This mm -hmm. is fantastic!" Right? We've all <laughs> we've all either believed the lie or loved the lie, said the lie. Maybe we're still <laughs> holding on to it. But from a from a biological standpoint, we don't love it. But we know that we've we've got to we've got to hold on to it. Yeah. And we've we've got to embrace it in some way, right? We gotta make it manageable. But when it comes to us changing, somehow we've labeled ourselves into this ridiculous corner. One of my favorite things to whisper um or, or to joke with folks on is to say, the key is in your pocket. Because <laughs> if you're feeling trapped, if you're feeling locked in and caged in, right? And you know, after a while you start biting at people and it, it's not good. It can go a lot of different ways. Personally, I went the throwing of laptops route mm, when I was burned mm, out. Mm. That was a super good credibility builder, mm, super fun. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to say out loud, nobody was making me feel the way that I was feeling. Mm. It really was, it was me that had changed. And I just hadn't taken, I think, temperature of a mm. lot of that. Um, I, you know, so if if something's changed, can by the way, can we believe ourselves in it? Yeah. I, I see doubt being high right now. It's and I and I think that um, yeah, honoring it, uh, giving space for it, um, being okay, and and also part of it is you know because I think when I the belief that that I hold and when we talk about change is we don't dislike all change. There's lots of change we like, right? But but it's that that idea. I mean, we fear loss. And, and so, you know, and, and, and boy, that goes back to what you're saying. Well, I used to, I used to do this and, and there might be, there might be some loss. Um, there might be some mourning that needs to happen from the standpoint of, of, of accepting that maybe who you are physically right now, who you are mentally right now, and, but also having the, I think it's such an act of courage for people to get clear and to have conviction in what's important to them. And you're right. I, I think we've been through such a big values clarification that that maybe who people are becoming or who they've evolved into because of all of this. Because again, we're, you know, it's the, it's the, uh, what is, it's, is it a Native American? Like you can step in the river, but even if you step into it in the same place, it's not the same river. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we just aren't the same people. And so, and, and that's okay. And, and maybe there are things you're not okay with and, you know, and so then what's that exploration like, but, um, and I'm trying to remember where I was going with this point, but 
you know, there's there's stress on the brain. The glitches are very real. Well, but yeah, to your jump point, in. honoring honoring about the loving change. You know, Sarah and I, I think you and I really connect that we do. We enjoy the creativity and the flow and the growth and all this kind of stuff. Yes, we love change. I just want to say out loud. I don't think we love change outside of our control necessarily. Right, exactly, exactly. Like and when change is done to us and we don't, and, you know, or even when, mm-hmm. you, and even when it's good change, sometimes you're like, oh, company's growing. Oh, what does this mean? Oh, oh what does this mean for me? And yeah. I might prepare it. So keep going. Yeah. Well, it's it's very humbling. And I, and I love that you're acknowledging this, but even take it from a worldview. Mm-hmm. There has been so much change that happened. And I, I, I would... I would pontificate. I would bet here that, I don't know, nine out of 10 people, three out of four people, they've, they felt their illusion of control be Mm. ripped, be ripped and reminded of how little we do have control over. And, and that I think when it comes to change, we've all had to go through a lot of it. And some of us, it's kind of like baking a chocolate chip cookie, you know, like some of us are baking soda and some of us are baking powder. And if you put too much in, you're going to have like these flat, crispy cookies, which some people love. Other times, if you put too much of the other in, you're going to have like fluffy, gooey, barely baked cookies, right? And sometimes people just strike the perfect balance mm-hmm. and that is awesome. But I just want to say out loud that that the change over the past couple of years it all reacts in us very differently. Yeah, yeah. So it begs the big, big esoteric question here. When you're burning out, what's changed? And if if not this, then what? Yeah. If not me as I think I am, then who? Mm-hmm. Because... You're the one thinking about yourself more than Mm -hmm. anyone else. You're Mm -hmm. the one who's saying, oh, well, you can't do this. Oh, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. Oh, you said you were going to. You can any anyone at any time can pick something a little bit different. But it's about is it authentic to you? Mm. Because remember, it's not if you're successful. It's will you love the success you get? And I think our happiness is success. I think that our, our safety is Mm, success. mm. Our, our, our financial security, definitely success. And, you know, to me, I think about why do I feel like I have to continue on? What is it about suffering or Mm. how I'm feeling? Insert however you're feeling. What is it about fatigue? What is it about detachment? What is it about, um, just powering through or sucking it up or whatever, insert vernacular here that we coach ourselves through whatever whatever burnout feelings we might be having. Why do we think we have to do this to earn it? Hmm. Is it that success is more valuable when it hurts? Hmm. Is it that we're, our gold stars will somehow be minted into a platinum coin that will get us into everywhere we ever want to be? Is it is it that when things feel heavy, I know that in the end, I've earned the lightness and happiness. Right. Right. I mean, even to that, like, think about, you know, one of the things that we we talk about a lot, Nick and I talk about this in our relationship, or we talk about it as a team or with clients is all of these rules that have been put on us, right? All of these, you know, you should, and this is what should happen. And, and, and some of those, some of those rules Sometimes it feels like you have to, and maybe you do have to play by them in order to write, like have, have, uh, st- some stability or financial. And, and there's also like, I want to separate out, like there are times, you know, depending on your situation where you may have to power through for survival, 
right? You just may have to, you know, work the two jobs and you would prefer not to. And right, like there, there are survival um, situations where we just, you do, you just go on autopilot and like, what do I need to do in order to survive? And, and I think that, you know, it's what, a pit stop though, not a permanence. Hopefully. That's the hope. Ho- that's that's the, hope. the hope, right? And, and I think that, 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 that idea of, um, of rethinking, right? Like what assumptions do we make? I mean, and that's that, you know, what, what assumptions do I make about, um, it sounds, it sounds so gross to say this, but I'm going to say it is like, what, what assumptions do we make to your point about like how much suffering that it needs to take to get there? How much, um, pain or discomfort or busyness, right? I mean, it's that like, that's the quintessential badge. And I'm and I've, I've been guilty of this for too, far too many years of like, Oh, I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. And feeling like on some level, that was like, Oh, that's I'm successful. And, you know, and, and, and I, I, over the last year, well, I would say last year, I'm, I'm having to get reconnected with it, because I've gotten away from it from just what this year has brought is really re-examining my relationship with rest and being and 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 realizing that it wasn't enough for me to just because to just uh oh I just need to sleep more or I just need to do some self-care or you know from a, a surface level but I I realized that for myself that oh I have some fundamental unconscious beliefs that are holding holding me back actually from understanding it. And, and there are times when I struggle with like, am I, am I, am I pushing the company forward enough? Are we achieving what people thought we would achieve? Right? Like, is it okay that I'm closing my laptop at six o'clock or five o'clock or three o'clock or whatever the case is? And I, boy, and I intellectually, I know that that's all bullshit. I know it is, but, but our unconscious beliefs, they're, they're not always logical. They're not always an, rational. Yeah, you know? it's amazing how much the American dream is forced into all of us. Yeah. That the idea that you just all you work have hard to do, enough. Quote, yeah, quote unquote, all you have to do is, and I love that it starts, honestly, at least in most journeys, with go to school and get good grades. Mm. You know, I'm somebody that dropped out of high school myself. Mm. Um, I love hiring. If anyone out there is currently hiring, I love hiring people with GEDs. You know why? Because most people go from K to 12. Mm. But folks that have had something happen and they've still achieved that GED, they know what hard work's about. They mm. know they have a lot more life experience than I think we give folks credit mm. uh, a credit for. And to me, one of the things you really brought out in me, Sarah, is just this idea of And I really want to honor it because I think a lot of us, especially if we are leaders out there, if you're business owners, team leaders, maybe you're an emerging uh, leader, you know, and it's a first time and you're like, okay, um, you know, excited to kind of just make a splash and be Mm. different than your Mm -hmm. predecessors, Mm -hmm. maybe, right? We're all working, I think, a lot of times to be the change um, or to keep legacy going. It's, It's your call, a lot of options. I want to say out loud that burnout isn't a one-time occurrence. Yeah. It's, it's something, the point of it is to not get so far down the road that you lose what you love, Mm. that you got to give it up, that you got to throw some laptops Mm -hmm. and, uh, (laughs) and, and have, have whatever kind of atomic meltdown you'd like to, unless by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm proof of it. 
you can survive it, right? Mm. Some folks I know honestly are not that lucky. They, mm. they don't realize until they're having heart attacks on the treadmill or at their desk and, and it's lights out for them. And mm. I get, and I speak with the people that they've left behind. Mm. They knew, you know, that the folks, it's amazing to watch leaders. We think we're so good at faking it, mm-hmm. but leaders that the day of being the perfect leader, the day of hiding it, um, it, it's just, I don't think it's in service to you. And I don't think it's mm. in service to your team, the mm-hmm. kind of authentic leadership the world needs right now. But burnout, it, it is something that's going to revisit you. It's going to darken your door a couple times. And what's great about it is I kind of liken it to people that come door to door and sell. You know, the first time the Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door, I live here in North Carolina, so they visit quite a bit. You know, I, I spoke with them for at length. You know, they were extremely nice people. It was a beautiful day. You know, we talked and I listened, right? And I had questions and all this kind of stuff. Now they come around and I don't talk to them as much. Mm. And it's it's okay. It doesn't mean that I blow them off. It just means that said with love, I'm I'm not going to subscribe, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's not a, a comment on any on a particular religion. It's just a personal choice. And I think that's it's a weird metaphor for it, but I think that's a lot of times what burnout the goal here. The goal isn't to care less. Mm-hmm. The goal isn't to um, you know, quit and move to Costa Rica unless that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal here is to keep doing impactful work and loving what you do and loving who you do it with and loving who you do it for. And when the fans the flames start getting fanned, you've got this great little fire extinguisher to be like, Meh. or you're like, oh, yay, flames for a candle. I've just made this candle, right? <laughs> or you gather everyone around a bonfire and, and have a moment to talk about it. And then you work on putting the fire out safely. Mm. So it is something that, you know, I mean, even me, I, I like to think I'm on burnout, I don't know, 13.2 sure. right now. <laughs> sure. Because it's, it's a challenge. It's, you know, I yeah. catch myself sometimes in the mirror being like, Rachel, I thought we I thought we put this to rest. I'm like, <laughs> I know, but we're back again. Yeah. Let's do this one more time. <laughs> You know, your situations change. And when you figure out coping mechanisms or you figure out strategies, and we were just talking just today, my colleague Amy and I, we were talking about this from a business perspective is like, we figure things out. And then three to six months later, things change. And now we need to Mm -hmm. figure them out again. And, and instead of getting, you know, maybe frustrated, it's like, I I liken when I hear you talk, I liken it to my experience with panic disorder. And I I, I remember um, fairly early on when I started being more public talking about my experience, I had this director pull me aside very quietly. He was like, hey, can I talk to you? I think I might struggle with panic. And, and I'll never forget. He was like, how did you cure it? And I was like, oh, I, it's always a part of me. I just have a different relationship with it now. And that's not to say you know, I'm, I don't say that in a way to say, oh, just accept that burnout is inevitable. But like, there are just going to be times when either internally we're pushed, or and or externally we're pushed to a limit. And, 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 and so how can we listen to those cues? How can we make adjustments? How can we how can we figure out and find ways to recover more quickly? I mean, when I think about that with my panic, it was I couldn't stop the panic attacks, but I could understand 
when they started to come, I could figure out how to ride the waves, I could work to recover from it. And, you know, and and similarly, when I think about my, my personal journey with burnout, because I don't, you know, I think I probably when I, you know, when I think of a really like the, the moment I was telling you when I left, when I left my first real big long term corporate, corporate company and moved on to another one, that was probably the most significant burnout that I was conscious of. I'm guessing if I were to ask Nick, he would be like, oh, you're on like 20 point. You know what I mean? Like he would have known. So let's talk about that, actually, because I know that that was something that, um, you know, when we think about the show, it's conversations with ourselves and conversations with other people. And so how what are some tips? What are some ways we can think about supporting somebody when we might either they've told us they're experiencing burnout or we're perceiving Mm, I think they're getting a little, I think that that flame is getting a little dim. What are some strategies mm-hmm. that you found to be really impactful? Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to pause for a moment before I answer, because yeah. I'm excited to give some tangible tips and say that, you know, one of the things I think often about is the link between burnout and loving your work and grieving someone or something you loved, mm. because it, it takes a great it takes a lot of love to be so incredibly sad mm. and so incredibly mm. lost and lonely. And to, to anyone out there who is grieving the loss of someone they loved or something they loved, maybe someone they used to be, mm. maybe you're still out there grieving, maybe you're grieving a title or a position or a team. You know, I, I just want to honor that and say, I'm so glad you loved really, really deeply. Because I I do believe that is, that's one of those things, if I could choose between being burned out and just not loving what I do, if I could choose between not, you know, being a daughter that does not have a dad who's alive anymore and having to go through grief just so I had him for a couple decades, I would always choose the highs and lows. Mm. And I, I think that that's what makes the world and a life experience so deeply rich yeah. and worth it, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so when you think about burnout, you know, because it's paid work, it's unpaid work, I think when it's someone close to you, um, you know, acknowledging, first of all, just acknowledging privately to yourself that A, this is happening mm. and getting really, really clear on you want to help, but they might not receive the help or they might not know it yet. Mm -hmm. Because again, if you were to ask my family, they like Nick, right? Mm -hmm. King Sheeran is what we call my husband around here. He saw it from a mile away. Sure. Probably months before you did, right? A thousand percent. But you know what? I always win. I always conquer. I was, no one could tell me anything about slowing down or taking Hmm. a break or shifting my, so you know what? People don't like to be told what to do. I can respect that. What I would say, the best gift you can give them is honestly being, being curious, taking time, slowing Hmm. it down. Hmm. Um, How about asking just better questions? How are you doing? Get to the B word. Busy. Mm-hmm. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. I'm busy. It's so yeah. busy. It's so busy. Ah, gold star, gold star, gold star. Mm-hmm. Instead, uh, what about, you know, if it's if it's your partner or someone you're really close to, how about um, what was the best part of your day? Mm. Um, what surprised you this week? What's something um, what's something that you heard someone struggling with that you provided a solution to? What what's your favorite part about what you're doing now? Mm. What do you miss the most? Mm. What's hurt you? This, by the way, leaders, you want to ask to me, 
the most impactful leadership question that you can ask your team right now is, hey, I know we've been through a lot together. Is there anything that's hurt along the way that mm. we need to repair? Mm. Oh, oh, the love, the love of you even asking and acknowledging because Sarah, and, that, I don't and, think then, and then being open to listening to it and taking ownership, percent. right? Like asking, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Doing something about it is hard, but it's in yeah. that act that you can start to heal it. A thousand yeah. percent. And I'm a big believer in know better, do better. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in I've got to, you know, we all have to vocalize. We all have to vocalize what it is that we need mm. and give our leaders the trust that they'll hit it out of the park for us, that they can that they can sue that. But I can't say, you know, either A, I can't say anything or B, I tell them, well, no, it's actually this. This is the problem. This is a problem. It's a leadership responsibility to, first of all, create the, the, the space in which to have the convo. Yeah. But then to ask, you know, to dig deeper. I know we're both fans of the coaching habit, you know, mm-hmm. that and what else. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's it's rarely I think about fights with my uh, King Sharon and my 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 husband a lot. And it's never about the thing we're fighting about. No, it's. It's always like there's always yeah no it's always something else right like there's always yeah it's that and I think especially you know knowing that a large part of our audience maybe identifies as female or and uh is that asking for what we need is really hard because we've been conditioned and yeah exactly like even and I and you know when we when we do our our work on elephants we talk about right like when there's an issue in a relationship it's usually because there's a need that's not being met. I can't tell you how many women will say, "I don't even know what I need because I've just been so conditioned to take care of other people and to, uh, you know, nurture and take care of their needs." And you know, and that's part of that that conditioning. Some of that's the giving, the loving, right? All of those all of those factors that that wrap up into it and. And again, I, I think it is such an act. It's such an act of courage. And, you know, one thing one thing I would add that um, I've experienced that is really helpful because it, it can be hard for people to accept help because, again, I don't want to be seen as a failure. I don't want to be seen as mm-hmm. weak. I don't want to put a burden. Right. This is something we talk about on mm-hmm. our team a lot. Like, I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. And and so this is a muscle the, the three of us in the core group are really working on. Right. Of just and um, and one of the things one of the things that you know, my colleagues have done for me is uh, would it be helpful if. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you see somebody Beautiful. struggling like. You know, we we had lost a family member during the pandemic, which is it's horrible to lose a family member under normal circumstances. But then when you can't get together and do your normal rituals and being together, it just I it's just hard. And they're like, well, what, what can we can we you know, like, what can we do to help? I was like, I don't even know. And then Teresa said, I feel like carbs are always good. So would it be helpful <laughs> If I made some cinnamon bread, yeah, if I made some cinnamon bread and we dropped it off and I just was like, sure. And, and I think that's, that's something else we can think of, especially, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really important thing as leaders is that if you are noticing your team members, because they're, they're more than likely not going to tell you because it could, it could impact their performance review. It could impact their, their money. It could, even if you say it doesn't, 
It absolutely could because like you said before, the person who gets the most work done is given more work and right. And, and, and who is rewarded, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes a person is just in the office long enough, not necessarily the person who's (laughs) working smarter, but, but, but that's a really powerful question as leaders we can ask is because we have authority, we have power, we have things that we can do for people that they might not know, realize, or think they can ask for. So yeah. I think that like, hey, I've noticed, I, you know, mm. I also love like, how, it's the how multiple you... choice question yeah. instead of asking the open ended. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, I know you and I both have nieces and nephews. It's like peanut butter and jelly or chicken fingers yeah. for lunch, <laughs> right. you know? It's not what do you, you want. Ask... <laughs> yeah, because kids have no clue, right? right? They're right. like, I was just Ranch. watching Eloise and I, yeah, like, who knows? I want a dinosaur. Too bad. No yeah. dinosaur. <laughs> You know, to, and to your point, you know, I think when it comes to organizations, you're spot on, you know, um, asking questions, providing solutions, you know, understanding there was a great HBR Harvard Business Review um, article that came out today that said, you know, employees or employers think um, folks want, you know, better work life balance. Um, but what employer employees really want is um, to be valued yeah. at work and to feel safe at work and things like that. It's not just compensation and flashy work life yeah, balance. Stuff. Because if How, you if you you value somebody, you're going to make sure that they have time for their family. I mean, it like, mm-hmm. because if, 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 if it's both, it's, it's both, all. it's all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you, yep. if, if, if I, okay, you cut my hours, but it's 30 hours in an incredibly toxic environment. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter that I'm only working 30 hours. I mean, at least it's a little less painful, but yeah, mm-hmm. like people want to be seen, heard and valued. Yeah. And it seems so simple, but it's not. I, it, well, you know what? Yeah, for it, some well, reason, like, we've gotten away from it as the glorified corporate practice, the yeah. glorified. It's not applauded, right? No. And to me, I don't you think know, we got away from it. I don't think we ever were by it. Like, I think we, I th- you know what I mean? Yeah. So somebody was like, yeah. oh, did you hear that empathy is finally is, is on the list? And I was like, well, empathy was always important. We just yeah. never valued it. I mean, See, I- yeah. I, well, and I always like I to me, I think there's always going to be examples that we should have followed mm, instead mm-hmm. of the ones that we did. hundred sure. percent. And to me, I think that's where I've actually learned the most. It's from cultures who, you know, five years ago when I started, they were wanting to talk about it. And in organizations that mm-hmm. are already, you know, preventing burnout. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone's out there now listening, I'd say, you know, number one, make sure that everything you, you, every communication you have um, and every, I think, training and, and talk is really focused on the person mm. and the professional. Mm. There's no one way to do something. Not everybody needs the same thing. If, if you are talking to a person and supporting them as a professional and a human being, listen, we've all got blurred work, work-life value mm-hmm. lines anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. But helping and seeing somebody as an individual um, and as a person, supporting them in the goals in and out of work, I think that means a lot. There was a, yeah. a, a, a favorite client of mine, and I'll, I'll never forget it. I um, This particular client at their holiday party every year, uh, they throw it. It's huge, you know, rent out a great space, great food, bar, all the stuff. And these folks are on the road a lot. They're mm. an event company um, that tours around the country 50 weeks a year, pretty much. And these folks work hard. And in the holiday celebration, they have a slideshow 
of every person who's of every child of an employee that's graduated high school, mm, mm. every baby mm. that's been born, mm. every new marriage and every degree. Now, mind mm. you, it could be of a spouse, partner, whatever. I love that. And and this company, this owner gives a thousand dollar savings bond to every baby that's born. And you want to see loyalty? I mean, mm-hmm. I cry every time I see it. You want to see loyalty? Love on someone's children. Mm. Because, you know, you call your, this particular organization calls themselves family and they mean it because they eat together, they sleep together, mm. they drive together. This is a family because they're, they're touring all the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. But to tell me that you're investing to reward um, folks for getting a high school diploma, doesn't matter when you got it, where you got mm. it, how you got it, $1,000 check right there. For folks, by the way, for folks that get an additional degree and things like that, um, you know, they, they don't necessarily compensate monetarily, but they give a gift, they award, they recognize. Yeah. What's beautiful is they they recognize the organization it took to get there. Yeah. The mo- the parents are up on stage. They, you know, the grandparents, all the, and, you know, you just, that's how you do it, folks. Yeah. And, you know, to me, one future that wish that I have about culture and organizations and companies in general is that instead of just saying, here's our benefits package, instead, what about if we create a buffet of benefits? Because, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, compensation is important, right? Everyone mm-hmm. needs to be able to be financially secure and, and things like that. But here's the thing. Is it more time off? Is it mm-hmm. is it the flexibility to work from home? Is it the is it an FSA that's fully funded? Is it saving for your kids? Is it doubling mm-hmm. the retirement? You know, s- retirement plans, some folks will tell you it's it's 12000 a year or nineteen five a year. I'm here to tell you right now, if your company really wants to do it, you can save $56,500 a year. Mm-hmm. All right? And, and that's a big benefit for someone like me who graduated in 08. Hashtag recession, babies. <laughs> you know? Like... I didn't save for retirement until a couple years ago because I wasn't part of any large corporation that offered it. That's mm. just not my path. Yeah. But to make up for it now, and and I'll be damned because I, I just want to say out loud, I get leaders and organizations who have got a chip on their shoulder or a very elephant-like memory. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's an elephant's curse a little bit to remember so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, people didn't want that. People didn't like this. We gave all these gifts. Nobody appreciated. Guess what? You didn't ask if they wanted the gift. Yeah. And you didn't help people realize that it's about so much more than money. Yeah. It's about yeah. so much more. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's like to me, to me, the like financial stability, like that's that's just like your foot in the door. It's just your foot in the door, right? That that's a non-negotiable, right? Take care it's of it. It's a bare minimum. It's a bare minimum. And you know, going back to the story that you were sharing about the company, and you know, and maybe people are listening, going like, well, we just don't have the funds or we don't whatever, you know, like, but the the thing is, is you know, when it's always, it's always interesting when people are like, we really want to, we want to, you know, uh, support our our team members mental health. And like, so what kind of lunch and learn can we do? And I'm not, I'm not saying that lunch and learns or trainings aren't important, having conversations about it, exploring tools and tips, all of that isn't important. But I'm like, well, let's, let's start evaluating like the psychological safety in your company. Because if you want to impact, right, somebody's mental health, are you creating an environment that is safe, inclusive, where they belong, right? Not just that they're, you know, are invited, but do they belong? And, and, and I, I mean, you're, you are tapping into my heartstrings of, you know, like, I think about this from development, right? That was my world, be, leading the leadership development efforts. And, and our whole philosophy at my last company at ROG at the time, I don't know where they're at now, but at the time was develop the whole person. 
Develop mm. the whole person, not just for the role, not just for the benefit to the company. And so we fundamentally changed before it was just leaders got training. Our customer care reps didn't get, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, who got coaching? The executives got coaching, but, right, underwriters mm -hmm. didn't or whatever the case might be. And it was such a fundamental shift because, you know, and even just, and again, I think that like, sometimes what can happen is we think we're doing it or we think we're doing enough, you know, but then I hear people use words like um, insubordination or they're a subordinate, like, well, no, they're a human. Mm. They're a human. I, I had a client I recently liberated from our, our catalog. I wish them well, um, but they would use enemy. Oh, because it was boy. a veteran. It was a veteran owned based company. Sure. I respect and admire a lot of, of a lot of them, but I, I didn't realize that that had carried over mm, into mm. the vernacular and the thought you're either with us or against us, yeah, right? Yeah. And Sarah, if I may, I'd love to share a tool, a yeah. very quick audit. Yeah. You can use it for yourself. You can use it for your organization. Um, speaking to your L&D folks mm, out there, mm -hmm. you know, um, HR pros, let me tell you right now, we, I'm a big values-based person. Mm -hmm. I, I care about values. I think that values is how we show up. We make a legacy impact yeah. a lot of time. Right? And not just and espoused values, because let's be mm -hmm. real, a lot of companies have espoused values. And then they have hidden values like, a oh, do you percent. actually value openness? Or do you value tar like tolerating really terrible behavior? Yeah. Well, you know, so I, continue I live on. in the South. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. and this is going to speak to you. Mm -hmm. I live in the South. So, I, you know, when I talk about folk values, and I ask people, what do you value? A lot of times people are like, oh, Friends, family, faith. Sure. You know, it's like a Garden Ridge sign in your bathroom. Sure. And you're like, okay, okay, sure. But let me tell you right now, the inauthenticity is a big stickler point for me. Mm -hmm. I think um, I'm very, I'm, I'm worried that the world oftentimes sacrifices themselves at the altars of work and burnout mm -hmm. and success. And, and lead a life that is so disingenuous, they don't even see it. Mm. And so I, I kept thinking, you know, through my research, through these conversations, and, you know, here I am, friends, family, faith. I hear it very often um, in, in my local community. And I've discovered the way that you check yourself, do you check what you value? Look at where you spend your money mm. and where you spend your time. Mm. And that will show you what you value. And if you, here's the thing, where you spend your mind is a bonus. Yeah. You can't, you can't tell me friends, family, faith, if you're, if you're not tithing, if you're not volunteering, mm. if you're canceling on girls night, if you're missing a dinner and tucking your kids into bed, I'm not judging you. I just want to say that out loud. I'm very open-minded. You can value whatever mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. want. I'm just letting you know that where you spend your money and your time, that shows everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Right. Wh where, what you value. And that, and that applies to individuals. And and organizations, right? Because if we say mm -hmm. we value, I don't know, we say we, we value mental health, but we don't spend any time or any money on that. Then like, like the you pizza don't. party and the one lunch yeah, and learn. Doesn't, like it doesn't, yeah. that's mm -hmm. not, it's not. How about no meetings Fridays? How about unlimited PTO with mm -hmm. quarterly four or five day weekends? How mm -hmm. about that? Mm -hmm. how, how about creating templates? I know you and I are big advocates of out of office messages. Mm -hmm. How about creating templates that encourage people to share their joy? Because yeah. joy shared is joy multiplied. Mm. I can't tell you how happy it makes me to see folks using my templates. And they're like, I'm currently on a site tour with clients, you know, giving them a 
110%, like I'll give you soon. Yes. How about the out of office? That's like, I'm currently in the most magical place on earth. Listen, Disney folks, I know you're a big one, Sarah. <laughs> I don't know. Disney folks. We're not going to get into it, but I may be on a farewell <laughs> tour with all the changes they're making, but that's a conversation another day. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, and, but here's the thing. When you, when you hear someone's on vacation, I just want to say out loud, if you get that out of office notice that's sharing that, and you don't think, good for them, mm, then mm -hmm. you might be. You might be a little burned out. You might be taking yeah. things a little too serious. Yeah. Well, right? and, and, and also as an individual, if somebody has a negative reaction to that, boy, that's on them. Mm, that's mm -hmm. on them. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that mm -hmm. as I've been evolving is, you know, continuing to find uh, set boundaries. And, you know, and because it's one of my sort of internal worries is disappointing people. You know, and it's and it's so and it's so it's in my DNA, right? That I will sacrifice myself so that I don't disappoint people. And the narrative of someone saying, "Wow," and Sarah had so much potential. Sure, we really believed in her. Yeah, yeah, or even just like, I don't. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know if I, I've ever like even extended it beyond just like I don't want to disappoint people. And and it was interesting because. So for those of you who enjoy when we are talking about like our out of office, that's courtesy of Miss Miss Rachel. But there was a time when the inquiries that were coming in of people wanting to pick my brain, to have coffee dates, to whatever, it just became overwhelming. And I don't say that in any like, oh, look at me. I'm looking at all the people who I mean, that's not what I mean. But but it was the reality. And, you know, and I, I was actually talking with my dear friend Vicky and she said, well, what would it look like to like, can you physically have these? And I was like, well, physically, I guess, mentally and emotionally and physically, probably not. And and so I I it was the scariest email to send. But I just said, I, I really appreciate it right now. I'm focusing on my time being focused on my work and my family. And I'm, I'm, I'm being, you know, thoughtful about what I say yes to. So at this time, I'm not taking on these. And a funny thing happened is that every single person I sent that message to wrote back and was like, damn, I need to do that. Or I'm really proud of you for doing that. And, and, and just, you know, I'll, I'll share inspired, loving, supportive, yeah, not disappointed, not disappointed, maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. But you know what, like but, the, the thing is, you know, and for those of you who are maybe joining us for the first time and you're thinking, oh, I struggle with boundaries, go back to the episode I did where I interviewed Farah Harris and we talk all about boundaries because, you know, people who get upset at you setting your own boundaries have no problem enforcing their own, right? The, the one of the things that has been such a provocative shift for me uh, was the, I'm gonna, I always forget the author's name, but it's the book called 4,000 Weeks. It's a time management for mortals. Yeah, great book. I mean, I read half of it, because that's what I do. And then I get what I need out of it. And then I move on. <laughs> but, but, but relate it to that burnout of, you know, I know, for me, the, the, the tendency was to just keep taking on keep saying yes, to not want to disappoint people, right, or, or having a hard time. Yeah. So the book is Oliver Berkman. Um, the author is, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, for me, it was like, oh, I got good at saying no to other people, but I had a hard time saying no to myself. It was mm -hmm. like, I would fast pass my ideas. And one of the concepts he talks about is just humans, we have unlimited imagination, and we live in a world of unlimited possibilities. But we have such limited time. 
you know, which goes yeah. back to your point of like, where are you spending your time and realizing that like you will, you will drop balls, you will disappoint people, but can you yeah. hopefully be at a place coming from? And I also realize as I'm saying this out loud, there's an incredible amount of privilege in me having this choice because not everyone does, you know, but just knowing like, so mm-hmm. am I going to disappoint the person who wants to meet with me or am I going to disappoint my mom? Mm-hmm. I'm going to vote vote the person that wants to meet with you. Yeah. And and that might be know, different to, for to, someone else. Someone else may be like, oh, mom can totally wait, you know, like. <laughs> totally. A thousand percent. Hey, listen, if if somebody's absence from your life gives you peace, you're right. cool with right. it, all right? We've right. all got to have our boundaries. Right. But, you know, speaking with love too, you know, I want to say that, you know, where you're spending your, your time and your money, you know, it's a great, I think, accountability tool for ourselves because sometimes we do, either we self-sabotage mm. or we create situations that are just unnecessarily difficult mm. or making things harder. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's tough. Again, the key is in your pocket, mm-hmm. right? You've got it. But I, I just want to say out loud, I can't say that I value health and go through the McDonald's drive-thru. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I can't do it. It's, it's not about weight. It's not about fitness. It's just about being healthy. I cannot keep drinking dollar Dr. Peppers yeah. at the rate that I was. And I only realized that because here I am and I'm going through the dollar drive through, um, you know, five, six years ago. And I'm thinking, yeah, look at me. I'm only getting I'm only getting a Dr. Pepper. I'm not getting all the emotional food that I want to eat. But here's the thing. If I'm on a if I'm on a quest for health, is this really is this counterintuitive to what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And no judgment. I can make a choice and I still hang out with the doctor once mm-hmm. in a while. Mm-hmm. But it's a great kind of accountability tool because I think one of the things organizations can do, leaders can do, individuals can do is, you know, we talk about vulnerability, right? We talk about um, empathy and courage and all this kind of stuff. I just want to say, you know, one of my clients, um, I, I work with them monthly. They're one of the nation's largest mortgage companies. And when we started working together last year, I said, okay, you know, like, let's get all the leadership on a call. If this is, if this is important and you know, the HR directors and things like that, they were like, oh no, 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 this is just for the employees. Mm, mm, the employees mm, mm. Are That's out. like, that's mm. like, that's like development trap number two on my list. Like mm, the yes. leaders don't need it. The employees need it. The team members yes, need it. This is yours. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I said, here's the agreement that I'll make is I'll, I'll do, I'll do a couple sessions and then I want to survey your employees privately. And I want to hear what they say. And we gathered together a couple months in. And the the C-suite has traditionally not wanted to discuss burnout, mm. talk about weaknesses, all this kind of stuff. You know, they, they throw around, oh, regulations, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, being humility is about admitting that you have limits. Yeah. And it's granting permission for others to have, mm. right? Mm. To say that this has been hard and this is what I do. It also, too, by the way, joy. Joy is is about saying that you have the capacity for it, mm. in my opinion. Mm. Like when you share your joy, joy does get multiplied. And, you know, they provided programming, but they weren't providing voices. And it's not enough right now for leaders to say, hey, we hear you. Mm-hmm. You know, here's this. What what the new normal, the wish that I have is that we say, hey, I see you. We see you. Mm-hmm. And we're right here with yeah. you. And we're going to move forward together. Mm-hmm. And forward isn't a path up. Mm-hmm. Forward, is, it can be a roller coaster, right? For for high growth, fast growth companies. I think it can be a, a path in a wooded lane mm. where you're clearing, you know, you're clearing the future paths you're going on. It can be a well-worn path that's just a little different this time mm. around. But I, I want to say out loud that organizations, I do think, and, and I know you're passionate about this, Sarah, if we've not got it from the top down. Right. 
just chat, just a simple question here. Do you want people to have it as hard as you've had it? And and if so, why? Yeah. It's a difficult things didn't it forged us because we were forced. Right. But it didn't make you successful, it didn't make you great, it didn't make you worthy, it didn't change your value. Mm. It just just made you a little heavier. Mm. It gave you armor that may or may not be appropriate for this trip. Yeah. And we've we've got to self-regulate on that as leaders. Mm. I think that's a really beautiful place to wrap up our conversation, Miss Rachel, because I think it's clear that we could keep chatting. Oh, my gosh. I know. I, I've loved this. I There's so much. There's so many beautiful insights. And, you know, and, and also... Um, yeah, there's 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 a lot to unpack. And, you know, and we're looking at burnout through, you know, some some lenses. And we know that there's some lenses where things may be out of our control. And right. And like and, and how can we how can we still even in those moments show up, you know, alignment with our values and how do we want to show up? Rachel, I want to ask you the question that we ask everyone, which is, you know, as we no, this is a show about conversations on conversations. Um, what is a conversation you've had with yourself or others that have transformed you? I knew you were going to ask this question. <laughs> this is probably, uh, I'm not going to lie. This is that part of magic, I think, in podcasting and having public earnest conversations that I just think you do such a great job in bringing out of people. Mm. Um you know, the one I'm tempted to share with you is, is one that I share in my TED Talk. It's about my dad mm. and being surprised when the people that love you um, want you to be happy. Mm. They don't realize you're struggling so much. I think for a long time I kept on a solid face. But I'm going to go... I'm going to go with something different. I thought about it in the shower this morning. Um, New Orleans. We both love mm -hmm. that city. My favorite. And, and right. Anyone listening, it is, it's magic. Mm -hmm. If you've been there, you get it. And if you don't, you got to book, book a trip soon. And the thing about New Orleans is that every single Uber driver will either tell you their life story, try and adopt you or want to come party. With sure. You. I think those are the only three <laughs> options. The only three options I've experienced. And one time that I landed, it was, it was, you know, BC before COVID. It was good times. And I got in the car and this woman's name was Angel. Mm. She had angels everywhere in the car. And she started talking the instant I got in that car and she wouldn't stop. She made me look like very introverted. And, you know, she's calling me Rachel baby love. And, you know, basically I'm feeling adopted by her. And, you know, as we're driving downtown, we're having a great combo. You know, she's telling me about her son mm. who was a gospel sing singer. And, you know, unfortunately he was murdered mm. a couple of years ago. And, you know, she's like, bring up YouTube, you know, subscribe to his stuff. It's beautiful, you know. And so we're listening to her son. We're talking about, you know, some of her, the favorite way for her to make gumbo and how I shouldn't, you know, believe all these other people that say one way and her way, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, eventually we get to, you know, I ask her, do you like driving Uber? And she's like, yeah, I love it. She's like, I've done so many things in my life. And she's like, what do you do? And, of course, there's that mm -hmm. awkward moment where I'm like. I'm a keynote speaker mm -hmm. and I specialize in burnout, right? And she's like, that's interesting. And, and I asked her, I said, Angel, you know, have you ever been burned out before? Mm. And she, I thought she might not have heard me. Mm. I thought maybe she was on the phone for a second because it was a long, it was a long pause mm. for her. And she goes, and I think it's so telling of New Orleans and 
trauma and experience and tenacity. She looks at me and she goes, baby love, in New Orleans, we're either drowning or we're burning out. But that's the cost of living and loving. Mm. And in that moment, a couple things happened, I think. Number one, I think that my love of New Orleans comes from their resiliency. Mm. You know, my grandparents uh, lived on the Mississippi coast and they lost everything in Hurricane Katrina. Sure. And they, my grandmother lives in Texas now. She didn't stay. Yeah. But not New Orleans. You meet a lot of folks. Mm. You, I, I think... I think that intrinsic darkness and light mm-hmm. and that intimacy and that knowledge and that honoring of it and that embracing of it and celebrating despite the darkness yeah. is really, really powerful. Um, I also think, too, I, the cost of loving and living, mm. I chew on a mm. lot. What is what is that cost? Cost is grief. The cost is burnout. Mm. The cost is, God, days Days that you close your eyes and you feel so supremely grateful to be living in this exact moment. You can't believe you're so, whatever the word is, lucky, yeah. blessed. I get emotional thinking about it, you know, the, the, the way that you think about what is the cost of living and loving? And to be honest, I don't know. I don't know that answer until I think it's the end. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say, I think the bet. The bet that Angel made, the bet that so many people out there listening are making is that it's going to be worth it, mm-hmm. whatever the cost is. I I, I love that. And it, w- w- one of our previous guests, Paul, he, he said something a little, he's like, that's the price. It's the, you know, like the hard stuff is the price to get to the good stuff. And like, and I think that that's a powerful, like, it goes back to the point you made in the very beginning of how do I embrace the complexity? Right. It's simple and it's complicated. Right. And like and 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 embracing it all. Rachel Sharon, you're such a gift to this world. You have been such a gift to me. I am so grateful to be in conversation with you today to introduce our audience to you. But I'm I'm grateful to be in conversation with you anytime that we need to. And I'm I'm so I'm so, so, so deeply um yeah, just thankful that we found each other all those years ago. For people, the universe conspired. They did. It did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> so for people who are sitting here going, "Huh, I want to I want to learn more about the work that she does," or I want to I I want to hire her for an event, or I'm just curious to learn more, what is the best place for people to connect with you? I am super active on LinkedIn. So come find me there, Rachel Sheeran. If you want those out of office templates, Mm. go ahead and visit rachelsheeran.com forward slash OOO stands for out of office. You can download them there. But honestly, the best thing that you can do to support me is add me on LinkedIn because I want to cheer you on. I want to answer your questions. And I want you to sign up for one of Sarah's upcoming workshops. Oh, look at you. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I cannot tell you how many times I have referred someone, you know, talking about where you want to invest in. You are making it so accessible right now Mm -hmm. to help and to embolden, I think, empower, I think, activate the, the power folks have in them. Uh, it's really going to be transformational. I'm going to be a virtual front row. So I hope folks will join me there. (laughs) You're amazing, Rachel Sharon. Rachel, 
Thank you so much for stopping by the show thank and you. being you and helping us all reconnect to ourselves. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Sarah. Our guest this week has been Rachel Sheeran. And there's so many notes that I took. A couple of things that resonated really deeply with me was when she talked about how she thought she could outrun it, she could outwork it, she could deny it. And and that definition she shared of burnout of when when we lose our happiness at work, that impacts our happiness elsewhere. And I just had never thought about it through that lens. And so there's a lot of things I'm going to still be chewing on and realizing that our self-care evolves, it, it changes as we evolve. And, and, and how can I continue to prevent burnout in myself, my colleagues and those around me? We want to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at sarahnollwilson.com. You can find me on social media where my DMs are always open. If you'd like to find out more about the work that we do and how we can help you and your teams have the conversations that matter, check us out at sarahnollwilson.com. You can also pick up a copy of my latest book, Don't Feed the Elephants, wherever books are sold. And if you'd like to support the show, please consider becoming a patron. Visit patreon.com slash conversations on conversations, where not only your financial support will sustain this podcast and our amazing team that makes it possible, but you'll also get access to some pretty great benefits like swag and Patreon only content. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You can do so on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. This helps us get the word out and to continue bringing on amazing guests each week, like Rachel Sharon. A big thank you to our incredible team who makes this podcast possible, to our producer, Nick Wilson, sound editor, Drew Knoll, transcriptionist, Olivia Reinert, and marketing consultant, Caitlin Summit Nelson. And just a big wholehearted thank you to our guests. Rachel Sharon. This has been Conversations on Conversations. Thank you for listening. And remember, when we can change the conversations we have with ourselves and others, we can change the world. Take care, everyone. Please make sure you rest and rehydrate. And we'll see you again soon. Bye.